Devoncast from Radio X. Hello and welcome to Devoncast, the weekly podcast looking at local and regional issues in Devon, the politics, the people and how decisions here affect how we live, work and enjoy our county. I'm Ollie Heptonstall. And I'm Guy Henderson. On the way this week, we discuss the report into how Torbay Council spent £20,000 of taxpayers' money on a festival that never happened and look into an ageism row that's kicked off in East Devon. We also chat to the founder of Devon Air Ambulance about the charity's success and later on find out how you can do si your way around a number of southwest town halls this summer as part of a barn dancing tour. Devoncast from Radio X. Are you planning on doing any do si Ollie? I don't think so, Guy, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll find out a bit more about that later on. Welcome to the podcast and a very warm welcome to you, Guy. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. This is my first Devoncast podcast. Um, I'll introduce myself a little bit. I've just joined the team here at Radio X. I'm a local democracy reporter, having spent 35 years at the Herald Express in Torquay. Um, Time for something new. Uh, Really looking forward to being part of the team here. I'll be covering Torbay Council, a bit of South Hams, a bit of Teenbridge. I've been covering a bit of Plymouth for a couple of weeks. I even dipped into an Exeter City Council meeting the other day, which was very entertaining. What a treat. Um, I enjoy council meetings. People think it's strange, but there's so much that goes on in council meetings. There's a lovely bit of theatre that happens in council meetings. Um, And people don't realise that everything that affects their daily lives originates in a council meeting. When they're building houses down at the bottom of your garden... That started in a council meeting. So it's up to us. Ollie, you know this. I'm teaching grandmothers suck eggs. <laughs> but, you know, it's up to us to try and get those things across in, in a reasonably entertaining way that people will engage with. And I'm really looking forward to the challenge. Exactly. And it's great to have you with us, Guy. Right. Uh, let's get cracking for this week then. Torbay Council is being told to introduce more safeguards after it lost thousands of pounds on a festival that never happened. The star-studded food and music event was cancelled just weeks before it was due to happen in May after the company running it stopped trading, leaving ticket holders out of pocket. Guy, you've been following this story. How did it happen? That's a really good question, Ollie, and it's something that that will be answered uh, in the coming weeks. There's a report that's going to Torbay's Overview and Scrutiny Committee next week Uh, The audit partnership have had a look at how it happened. What basically happened was that the company that had won the tender to put on this festival uh, went to the wall. Uh, It went to the wall and they they stopped the festival. They pulled the plug on the festival just about four weeks before it was due to happen. A lot of people have bought tickets. We don't know how many people have bought tickets. That's not a figure that's been made public. But people had bought tickets, people were looking forward to it. There are adverts everywhere across Torbay for this festival. There was going to be UB40 were going to be there. Scouting for Girls were playing. The Vamps were playing. There were TV chefs. It was kind of targeted at a, a fairly affluent, mature audience. Uh, and it would have been one of those key events that forms the uh, the shoulder uh, to the season in Torbay. If you ask anybody... Uh, in the councils, regardless of their political colours, you ask people in the um, the English Riviera tourism bid, they'll tell you that events, events, events are the key to the start and finish of the season in Torbay. These shoulder events, we've had the air show, we've had the Brixham Pirate Festival, we've got Electric Bay coming up in a couple of weeks' time with Craig David and Pendulum, and, and I'll be honest with you, Ollie, lots of people I've never heard of, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, and later in the year, we've got the Agatha Christie Festival, there's the Walking Festival, there's Seafood Feast, and these all kind of add up to something really important for Torbay. So a lot of people had a lot staked on this food and music festival. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this pans out now. The audit report will go before the committee. I have no doubt there'll be a fairly ferocious debate. There always is at Torbay Council. Uh, and we'll find out a lot more about what happened. And it's worth pointing out, and I think I'm correct in saying this, that this decision was made under the last administration just before the election, wasn't it? It was. I mean, this was something that was put together under the last administration. It all fell to pieces um, days before the election, to be honest. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the timing the timing was very interesting. And I think that will lead to some very interesting exchanges. Do you think it had any impact in the election result? Because the Conservatives sweeping to power in Torbay was completely different to what happened elsewhere in Devon. I think you might be right. It was one of those things that the balance was very, very close in Torbay. In fact, it came down to the last result that was announced, which was one of the Brixham wards. Uh, I think that had a big bearing on it. I think Torbay Road, which you've already discussed on this podcast before, I think that had a big bearing on it as well, the pedestrianisation of that street in the middle of Paynton. And these little things, you know, as you say, they can tip the balance in an election week, and this may well have done so. And as you mentioned... Those tourism events are so fundamental to Torbay and, and the economy there. They absolutely are. I mean, people will come to Torbay during the summer holidays. We know that. They always have. They always will. And there are things on Children's Week. There's the, the, the Paint and Festival. There are loads of things on. But these events that happen on what they call the shoulders of the season are absolutely vital. And this one would have brought a lot of people into Torbay. Devoncast from Radio X. In a few minutes, we'll find out about an ageism row in Exmouth that's left a property developer very unhappy. But first, Devon Air Ambulance is still flying high in its 31st year. The charity has overcome Covid and many other challenges to get to where it is today. Radio X's Jamie Taylor spoke to founder Anne Thomas and head of marketing Charlotte Leventis to find out what's next and how the charity began. It started because my son, um, Kerry Thomas, was injured in a road accident in Sidbury in Devon and because of where we lived, it took more than an hour to get him to hospital and he didn't make it, he died. And I asked the surgeon what would have saved him and he said, only an air ambulance. And so that thought went round and round in my head and I thought, well, let's do that in his name. So I started the Kerry Thomas Appeal to raise money f to get us an air ambulance in Devon. Now, it wasn't that easy, of course. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to make it very public to tell people what an air ambulance would do. A lot of people didn't know. There weren't many in the country. And also people said it would be too expensive and there were all sorts of things to work through. But I was determined because if, if that would have saved my son's life, well, then if we had them, they could save other people's lives and people wouldn't have to go through what we did. I tr started to raise money, but I made it a public event. I borrowed a hel helicopter and landed, had it landing in Exeter Cathedral. So then I get, went round and talked to lots of different groups of people all over Devon, and I would go to meetings and say, yes, you can donate tonight, but I, what I really want you to do is raise money, go out and do things to raise it, then we can have more money. And that is what exactly what the people of Devon did. Eventually, we had a full network of people raising money. And in two years, we had raised enough money to get an air ambulance. And you talking about the history, so now, you know, you're looking at it, as it is now coming back to it, it, yes. must, it must be amazing to it, see what it is now. It is totally amazing. I mean, it was, to be honest, it was on a shoestring back then. We were financing it as we went along. We had, did have some 
um, strategies in place to make an income, but we couldn't rely just on that. But we managed to start it. We got it in the air, and then it started to save lives. And then it was its own ambassador. And it saved actually two lives in the first week it was in service. So it made news. And so people thought, yes, right, an air ambulance does work. We do need one. But then, as we're seeing now, we have to keep up to date with modern technology and we have more secure money, obviously never enough, but we want to actually look forward. We want to train paramedics even more and um, we want to develop and keep up to date with medical things, best helicopters, you name it. We want the best of everything and we have the most magnificent team working together now. Wow, it is fascinating, honestly. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Anne. Um, Charlotte, we've heard about the past, we've heard about the history. Let's move on to the future. What is the next 30 years of Devon Ambulance going to be looking like? Well, lots of things. I mean, it's thanks to um, Anne with me here. I mean, you know, for Anne to set up this this charity was, was quite an achievement. It's phenomenal, actually, particularly 30-odd years ago. But now our vision still really hasn't changed much. We're still wanting to end that preventable death, that disability and suffering from any critical illness or injury. But now our ambitions are to be innovative to be at the leading edge of outstanding delivery development and the transformation of critical care and also with the whole 30-year thing you know what are, what is the charity's new ambitions have you got any any of those we've got a lot actually um <laughs> a list as long as my arm but but quite simply we want to use enablers such as you know getting the right people exceptional staff um by be really being a world-class organisation people want to come and work for. Um, we want to use data and technology and innovation. We might be looking at technology such as drone technology to help deliver defibrillators or medicines, for example, in support of our service. We want to be looking after the environment, the community impact and a healthy future, of course, and also making sure that every penny that we bring on board really, really does work towards being the most efficient that we possibly can. But in order to deliver all this we're also going to need a new airbase so an innovative multi-purpose center that's going to basically fill the space for all of our ambitions to treat more patients across devon great to hear how well the air ambulance is doing it's a fantastic thing for the county the air ambulance there'll be so many people out there who've got stories of how they've been affected by the air ambulance but now the refusal for a new block of retirement apartments in the center of exmouth has caused quite the storm this week ollie tell us more Yeah, that's right, guys. So this all stems from a planning meeting earlier this month where developer Churchill Retirement Living had applied to build 60 retirement apartments in the town, as well as cottages on the site of a builder's merchants on 4th Street, a really prominent location in the town centre. Officers had recommended approval, saying it would be sustainable development and would help improve housing supply in the town. But councillors disagreed, criticising the lack of a mixed balance of properties, with many claiming Exmouth has enough homes for older people already and they wanted more for younger people and young families. One councillor said the town is at saturation point with retirement homes, while another claimed the town's population is getting 
older and older. East Evans' economic development officer then described the district having the third highest proportion of pensioners of any local authority in the country, and he said this was not economically sustainable. It's all led to an angry backlash from the development company's chairman, Spencer J. McCarthy. Here's what he said in a statement read out by our producer Brad. These comments are insulting and frankly discriminatory. It is ageism, pure and simple, and betrays a very worrying mindset indeed. Age is an immutable characteristic. Can you imagine the outcry if councillors elsewhere declared their local area had too many people with other characteristics over which they have no control? The fact is, one of the reasons Exmouth is so popular probably lies in the number of older people there who invariably keep the places where they live clean and tidy, spend money on the local economy and contribute to their community, not least when they're looking after their grandchildren. It's a shame their elected councillors have so little respect or appreciation for older people and the positive part they play in a civilised society. Now, it's worth pointing out that uh, in a statement, the council said the planning committee refused the application on planning grounds alone. They added... These were based on the loss of employment land and the impact of that on the local economy, as well as insufficient affordable housing being proposed within the development. But uh, quite the row in East Devon this week. Absolutely. It's interesting that business of planning committees deciding things on planning grounds. I had one of those in a South Ham's meeting this week as well, where there was a lot of debate about whether a development was acceptable or not. And every now and then the officers had to bring it back and say, look, you can only refuse this on planning grounds. You can't refuse something just because you don't like it. It has to be on quite stringent planning grounds because... If a council gets a decision wrong and doesn't decide correctly on planning grounds, the developer will go to appeal, probably win, and cost the council a heck of a lot of money. Yeah, you're talking about tens of thousands of pounds, aren't you? Even Absolutely. hundreds of thousands of pounds for really big developments. And yeah, council officers always imply to, to councillors, you can only judge what's in front of you. You can't. It's not a wish list of what you might like on a site. Exactly. I mean, there was there's. The, the business the other day about the university accommodation in Exeter and councillors had a long debate about whether one of these enormous blocks could be turned around through 90 degrees so that the windows wouldn't look out on the neighbours, which was a really good point. But the officers had to keep coming back and saying, look, you just have to decide on this planning application. It was it was really for scholars of council business. <laughs> it was it was an interesting debate. Yeah, very much so. And uh, yeah, if you have any views on whether you think Exmouth has too many retirement homes, too little. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Do get in touch. Devon Cast from Radio X. To round off this week's show, then get your dancing shoes at the ready for a bit of dosy doing for a new barn dancing tour across the southwest this summer. Throughout July and August, the tour visits Launceston, Sparkwell, Calstock, Tavistock, Pensilver, Totnes, and Ivybridge. Theatre Royal Plymouth is behind the idea. Chris Baker has been speaking to Associate Director Sarah Rhodes. What was the, the idea behind these barn dances? So the idea behind the theatre um, doing a barn dance tour was very much about us getting outside of our building and acknowledging that our audiences come from all over the southwest and further afield and doing something really lovely community-based like a barn dance tour allows us the opportunity to go out and meet people that are audiences that we know and love that come often to the theatre and doing something for them on their doorstep but also getting the opportunity to meet new people that maybe have never been to the theatre or haven't been involved in any of our community activity before and doing that in a really lovely light-hearted way that celebrates our regional traditions that gets people moving meeting new people um, and just feels really 
Lovely. Why are TRP touring these barn dances? TRP are touring these barn dances because we feel that in our kind of creative ambition for the future, we want to be doing more than presenting work just in our, on our stages. We've got fantastic venues here in Plymouth, but the opportunity to go and celebrate other fantastic venues in the southwest and to bring entertaining live events to people across our region feels really important um, and it's a way to meet new people it's a way to build connections especially in a world post-pandemic and especially in a world where we are working hard to find new ways to to work with people and to celebrate all art forms we felt like why not do a barn dance it's really fun it's really energetic it's also about bringing um, other brilliant community artists together. We've got a fantastic band that are going to be joining us for the barn dance tour. And so, yeah, we just feel like it's a really brilliant way to root ourselves in the regional history um, and go out and work with brilliant venues and meet new people and have a good time. So when and where are they happening? So we are hitting the road for three weeks across summer, starting in Launceston Town Hall on Saturday the 22nd of July. So we'll be doing an afternoon one from 12 till 4 and then an evening one from 6 till 10. We then move on to Sparkwell Parish Hall on Tuesday the 25th of July, which is the day that schools break up for summer. So schools are out and you can come and join us for a barn dance to celebrate. Um, we then move on to Calstock Hall on, on Thursday the 27th of July um, with an evening event from 6pm and then the following weekend on the 29th and 30th of July we are taking over Tavistock Town Hall running four barn dances Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Then we move to Pensilver Millennium House on Thursday the 3rd of August Totnes Civic Hall for four barn dances on the 5th and 6th of August and then we round everything up on Friday the 11th of August at Ivy Bridge Rugby Club. And what can people expect if they're going to come along or maybe they're interested in coming along? So people can expect a really lovely, welcoming, fun atmosphere. We've got a fantastic band called the Freedom Fields Cayley Band which is a really funky collective of folk musicians that are well networked in the Cayley world. That includes a caller so all of the dancers will be called and worked through by everyone in advance of then kicking off and going full into it with the music. Um, so whether you are uh, a lover of Kaylee and barn dancing or brand new to it and just want to try something out or meet new people or enjoy the live music there will be something for you we're also really fortunate to be sponsored by the Cornwall Bakery so you can expect pasties and lots of brilliant beers local beers and ciders drinks provided by the various venues and us across the tour so there is going to be something for everyone and it's completely family friendly whether you're two or 82, there will be um, a way for you to access it and have a really good evening. All of the venues we're working with have really accessible facilities. And yeah, we, we would really love for everyone to come along and have a brilliant time. Have you ever done a bit of barn dancing, Guy? I have. I've barn danced. There's, I went to a wedding reception. Uh, some really good friends of ours, they hired a village hall and they hired uh, musicians and a caller. You need a caller for a barn dance who will tell you what to do. Oh, OK, yeah. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's very energetic. You need to be pretty fit. By the end of the evening, your calves will be uh, screaming at you. 
But you know, it's very sociable. It's great fun. It's one of those things you just got to get stuck in from the word go. If you stand around the edge and say, oh, I'm not doing this, as we've all done at you, these kind yeah. of events, you're going to have no fun at all. No. If you get stuck in from the word go and enjoy, you'll have a fabulous time. Certainly, and I'm hearing there's going to be quite a bit of cider at these events, so um, that, that might help things move along a bit, a bit That quicker. always helps, always helps. Great stuff. Thanks very much for uh, joining us for your first Devoncast this week. Guy, have you, how have you uh, found it? That's been great. Thank you very much for inviting me along. You'll, um, you'll all be sick of my voice after a while. Oh, we certainly won't. Good to have you with us, and thank you as well for listening, and do join us for another episode of Devoncast next week. Catch the latest episode of Devoncast every Friday at radiox.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts.